0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: Hey, y'all. Bayou Benders here to talk to you about the latest from our sponsors, DraftKings. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs. DraftKings will have $20,000 in total cash prizes up for grabs. The best part, it's free to get your shot at these daily prizes. DraftKings will offer two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during the day's basketball games and track your results through this evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings' pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. to another episode uh dude if you believe it or not i think we're pretty close to 100 episodes together but uh that's probably about the the best of positivity we'll probably get out of this episode now because uh we got fucking demolished saturday and uh it it was not fucking pretty
0: no no it was not and to start this episode i just want to I want to articulate and express that I am well aware. Before I say all the shit I'm about to say, <laughs> that the Habs did not play well. Oh man, I, I'm I'm well aware of that. I know if we won that game, it was probably a game we didn't really deserve to win. Like you know, it, if we were to win that game, it would have had to been Price playing phenomenally. And there would have had to be some good bounces. But the thing is, teams win that way all the time. Now, I'm pretty like. Do you want to just jump
1: into it or well, you know what? Before before we get too down, let's uh let's the quickest review of the game, the first game. How about that? Before we before we just drown out into just dominant negativity. Well, I actually
0: I, I think like like we can maybe talk about that after
1: because there are some okay. positives I want to take about this, but all I right. really want to. Well, yeah, let's get wanna, the negative yeah. out. Look, I, I just I just want to save these people from an entire negative episode. So if we got to give them the bad first, that's fine. You know, whatever way we get it, let's just give it to them. Sorry. <laughs> I well, think we're all kind of feeling the same.
0: Yeah. So there's the kind of warning. You know, I am saying I, I get that we didn't deserve to win this game. But we did deserve to have a chance at winning this game. And in the second
1: period. How many times you hear that in a fucking season with, from us? What, that we deserved a chance to win? <laughs> yeah, fucking. Oh, it's ridiculous. On.
0: And I want to say, before I go on my rant, I'm sure our listeners can figure out where I'm going with this. Everyone with a fucking TV set saw the shit show. "Quote unquote officiating that was going job. I'd like to call it game fucking management, because it was ridiculous. Ducharme had enough, and it was blatantly just not. It was not good. Okay, but I want to say this is not a limited thing to the Habs and the Leafs series. This has been something that has been going on in every single playoff." matchup this season this calendar year it's been happening throughout the regular season as well before that game alone i believe it was i want to say friday three coaches in the nhl came out craig berube rod brindamore and john cooper three very well respected coaches three successful coaches uh, Stanley Cup-winning player and Rod Brindamore, Stanley Cup-winning coach and John Cooper. I don't know if Berube – do you know if Berube has won anything?
1: Uh, I think he won something for – Actually, I guess – he St. Louis. Yeah, Brindamore. I guess he would have won yeah. the cup with them as well, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was – but I think – I feel like he might have won uh something with the – I don't know. Did he win a coach of the year because of that?
0: Yeah, I, I believe he did coach them to a Stanley Cup. Regardless – three guys who know what the fuck they're talking about came out and openly criticized the officiating, the refs in the playoffs this year. That is something that does not happen in the NHL. And I want to highlight that because the NHL is a very big hush, keep it quiet kind of league. They hate when guys speak out
1: publicly against the officials. That's the Rangers effect, man. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, well, we'll take that you know, quarter of a million dollar hit to tell them how it is.
0: And and now we're seeing big names call them out. Just today, as we're recording this, if you want to pause this episode and just go find it, or if you're still listening, go look it up. Gabriel Landeskog's slashing, or sorry, Carl Soderberg's slashing penalty against St. Louis. He's skating, and his stick, no word of a lie, Corey, I don't know if you've seen it. Mm -hmm. It just grazes another player's stick after, because he was getting cross-checked. And they called a two-minute slashing penalty on him because St. Louis was winning the game. It's this fucking game management mentality that I cannot stand. And like I said, Montreal did not deserve to win this game. Let's highlight that. They had 17 shots leaving the second period. That's not good enough, especially against a goalie like Jack Campbell. But they also spent 10 minutes in the box in the second period because – I don't know, Eric Furlat, who called every single penalty I want to highlight, decided that this, this series needed to you know, go back in the direction of the Leafs. Montreal came out hot. We're going to highlight the positives after this. KK, oh my God, what a first shift from him to score that goal. Puts up the f- number four to highlight his four scratch teammates. It was phenomenal. Montreal came out of the gates fast, energetic, physical again. And you just saw the life get sucked out of them when you're penalty killing every like they would kill a penalty and they call another one. And the only penalty that I really thought was deserved, if you want to say that, was when Kotkaniemi broke his stick over. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know who he checked, but that's, you know, they always call that consistently. If you if he didn't break a stick, they wouldn't have called it. But when there's a broken stick, they always call it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it was like it was pretty blatant. Yeah, it was obvious. But my problem is, is that if you're going to call that on us, fucking call it on the Leafs. Now, it just sounds like I'm complaining. And I guess I really don't want to make it sound like that. But it's what do we do? Shea Weber got a cross checking penalty on Pierre Engval. And if you look 10 seconds before he got his cross, it was retaliation. because Angval cross checked him in the back of the head and Weber fell. You're not going to call that, but you're going to call Weber because he's bigger and he just – I don't get it. They even – and I'll, I'll even point out stuff they didn't call for the Habs. Byron clearly boarded Zach Hyman with 30 seconds left in the game, and mm-hmm. they called nothing. Zach Hyman did the same to KK earlier on. Just because it's a hip check, it doesn't mean you can go numbers, hit him right in the numbers, face plant him into the boards. It was – was ridiculous it was one of the worst displays of officiating i've ever seen And the last incident i want to talk about is just the arturi leckenden penalty because i still 24 hours later do not know what he got called for (laughs) Sportsnet couldn't even figure it out you there's no replays of it because they don't know they don't want
1: (laughs) you don't want that shit cycling anymore you know like because uh Man, it, it was – this was the highlight reel, you know, this this weekend was, like, the perfect highlight reel of how bad officiating can be and how it needs to be improved, especially in, like, very big moments, like, you know, henceforth the fucking playoffs.
0: Yeah, and I just, like – to go back to the point of Montreal deserved a chance, Montreal mm-hmm. uh heading into the second – before all the penalties were called we're being outplayed and like i said i do think montreal you know one penalty definitely and would they have probably earned another one going on later into that game yes i think it's fair to say the way montreal plays three penalty kills a game you know is pretty standard i think we can expect that yeah but Can when you have those back to back to back to back penalties, Toffoli's coming out on the penalty kill, like I think Anderson was killing a penalty at one point. The guys are dead, and it sucked all the momentum from the Habs. It just all their energy, and they were toast for the rest of the game. They actually did a really good job killing off those penalties, and most of those goals came in, I believe, in the early third. Am I right? Or like the late second? It's all kind of a blur to me. I was just so pissed. I was so frustrated, and you're they're just all over the place. Yeah, they, they, they had a good.
1: Yeah, go
0: ahead. Sorry, I just want to. They're depriving
1: the team the ability to come back into the game. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking at them right now. You had like uh five five minutes into the second period, thirteen minutes into it. You know, like and kind of same for the third for the per- third period as well. Mm-hmm. So it, they were. They were placed all over, you know, all over. But um, it, it truly seemed that from the end of the first to the end of the game was just us getting penalized and trying to find a way to recover from it. And, yeah, we were
0: on the back heel.
1: But, I mean, after the second period, every player on this team is gassed, every every single player.
0: And, and how do you play like that knowing no matter what you do, you're going to be penalized for it? It was just weird. Like what and to get the negative out of the way, so this seems to be the direction we're going. Um, Ducharm with one of the worst goalie like interference challenges I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I was but I get it because I understand that you know everyone's pissed off, and I get it, because I was too at the time. I was like, why the fuck are you challenging that? Mm-hmm. I think it was the only, Ducharme knew from that moment on, it was the only way to get momentum. Right. You know what? There was something there. It was, by definition, goalie interference because he was in the blue paint. <laughs> Horton was in the blue paint. That's goalie interference. But as we all know, goalie interference isn't
1: called that way. So maybe he was just hoping that, you know. That of, all, of all the shit we just had to go through, maybe, because, I mean, it's proven that they play it they play it that way. You know, if, if you're owed something, they'll find a way to give it back to you. Uh, I mean, I think but they weren't, meant,
0: they were not giving yeah, yeah. it back. They to weren't going to give us
1: that, but I mean, you know, like, I think we were already on like our third penalty, you know, uh, and a, a couple of blown calls for us. And I guess at that point you're at, you know, you're, you're risking it for a give me, you know, you give me, because I mean, I mean we literally killed a penalty and immediately went back on another one so I guess Ducharme, and I mean you can kind of see it. I mean you can see Ducharme, but um, I feel more like I feel like the the, the coach's challenge might have come a little bit more from you know up top where they seemed a lot more you know pissed off than Ducharme was. Um, see, I don't, I don't know what but I think that point, about that. Why take, not? Though. No, I, I don't know. I don't.
0: I, I don't I just don't think Bergevin's gonna call down. As a guy who played the game, I don't think – I think he was definitely like, oh, yeah, like
1: that's – There's a there's experience. a possibility, right? I think, and Desharm's said, like, uh, you know, you're not stupid. You understand the rhythm of it, and it's not going our way. If you don't win it – if you don't win this and the, the goal stands, well, chances are two minutes later we were going to go on a, a, another – you know, we would catch another penalty. Exactly, so yeah. So why not take the risk because we knew – from that moment, this entire game, we were going to be dead tired and we were going to be playing down a man the entire game. So why yeah. not take the risk? I get it because you're right. If, if we do win that, the momentum swings. We've seen it in the last game. You know, uh, we, we played – that challenge, it's a one-goal game. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. It's a
0: one-goal game. The guys, you know, not only have they had that break, um, it's five-on-five. Five. They're, they're rejuvenated. Like you said, the momentum swings in hockey – The momentum is so fickle. It can swing and take switches and turns at any given moment. And something like that can give a big boost to the guys. When you feel like calls aren't going your way, you you don't play as
1: well. You really don't. Yeah. I mean, it really takes it out the game. You know, it it takes you. Because, I mean, look at it, dude. Game one, right, played a hell of a game. Game two, we come in and we play the exact same way. What changed, truthfully? You know, I do think uh, it was the tides of fucking, you know, yeah. Like there were like moments in in the, at the end. And then the beginning of the second where we were like really showing that they were getting the best of us, but then, you know, you can kind of overcome that. You can't really overcome that plus the neglect of an official. Yeah. And I'm like I said, I'm not going to blame this
0: loss on the officials because bad calls happen I thought the first pat, pat power play they scored on, I don't think – I think that – I thought that call was bullshit. I believe it was on deno mm-hmm. But you have to live with those bad calls. You have to be able to overcome those every once in a while. One bad call should not lose you a hockey game. There are rare cases like overtime, et cetera, right? But that's something you just got to overcome. Um, It was after. like I I, I Like I said, I'm just going to stick to they deprived us the chance to come back, not to – They didn't steal a win from us by any means, but I also I kind of want to like, yeah, kind of defend Ducharme, I guess we have with that. I think you said it perfectly. Like, what do you, what do you have to lose in that moment? You, everyone and their uncle could see where the momentum was going in that game. Um, I thought it was a, you know, maybe not the
1: smartest challenge in the world, but we're a shot. You're one goal away. From a game that's already looking like it's not in our favor, uh, uh, you know, in the eyes of the officials. Fuck it. T- take the risk. Exactly.
0: And I also want to highlight. Um, Jason Spessa's goal before we move on,
1: mm-hmm. because
0: it sounds like we're just digging on the Leafs and giving them no credit. I understand that everyone says, oh, well, Price was setting up for Simmons and it fooled him. It did, like I will acknowledge that he. he I do think Price was locked on to Simmons and then Spessa kind of like Simmons kind of dummied it or like kind of Spessa stole the puck. That
1: shot was a fucking laser beam. Yeah, it oh really was. God, I mean it. Like if you blinked, like you missed it completely. Like, like I
0: don't know if Price is set up. If he still saves, like if he saves that, even if he set up for
1: Spessa, that was a fucking laser. Right. And I mean it, it came it came at like such a perfect time too because you have Kulak crossing and like Kerry Price, regardless if he saw it or not, the 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 players that were going in between would have had would have blocked him. You know, like so even if he was able to set up for it, he was already his vision was already beginning to be impaired. And it was more or less a fucking one timer because like it looked like it didn't even touch his stick. Like it looked like he was like It looked like he was already shooting before the fucking puck even got to him. And it was just, all right, it's behind the net. You know, it's behind price. It was a great goal.
0: Yeah, it was wicked. Move on. We kind of said our piece about the refs. I don't want to dig into it too much more. Uh, You guys know how we feel about it. I think everyone kind of feels the same. And I guess I'll just end it by saying I do live in Southern Ontario. I'm surrounded by Leafs fans. Three of my. Good buddies are Leafs fans, and all three willingly admitted to me that blush, <laughs> that, the, that, that was bullshit, <laughs> those calls. So that's all I have to say. It's, I'm not crazy, okay? <laughs> Leaf fans see it too. Um, but cut, what to take from this? Um, you referenced game one. I'm not going to lie. Last night when KK scored, I kind of had this revelation, this moment of, oh, my God, could we win this series? And then to see it kind of not stolen, but taken away in that fashion really beat me down. By the end of that game, I was thinking, fuck, like, we're just, we're, we have no shot. But coming out of this game, we should be really damn happy to have stolen a game, not stolen, but you know what I mean? Taken a taking, game. Out.
1: Yeah, taken a game.
0: It's 1-1. It's a new series.
1: 100%.
0: It's a best of five series now. We're going, we got two games in the Bell Centre. The boys are coming home to Montreal. It's looking like hopefully we'll get Cole Caulfield in the lineup, maybe Romanov. The boys are going to be re Hopefully we'll get Evans back. I, I just really think that there are a lot of positives to take from this. Game one has proven that playoff price can be back. I'll, I'll give him a – you know, how many – I don't know how many power play goals were actually scored last night. There were – I think it was uh, two, two, two or three. Two, it was
1: uh, Rasmussen, Dean, and then uh, Nylander.
0: And then one of them, the Austin Matthews goal was like right as the power play ended, I believe Mm -hmm. too. So, you know, price gets a pass last night for all I care. We get to see what he can do at the bell center again. Um, you know, I just think that with, um, a few tweaks to the lineup, if the guys can come out the way they did in game one, they've proven that they can play this team. They can beat this team. If I had to give any criticism to the, the lineup last night, we need to utilize Anderson. We did the same in the okay. first game because okay. I understand that there was a lot of special teams and penalty kill in the second. He played 14 minutes and seven of those were in the third. That's not okay. Josh Anderson brings his fucking a game as we saw against this Leafs team. And I think he needs to play a lot more. Eric Stahl, I'll give him credit has played very well. Uh, uh, game one. I, he had an amazing touch. He had a few good passes mm-hmm. to Anderson, one that resulted in an assist, I believe. Right, primary assist on that goal. Yes. Yeah, I think he's played decently. Um, if Evans is back, I want him scratched <laughs> because
1: <laughs> yeah, why I'm not? not. And it's
0: not honestly like I'm. I'm actually happy with Stall, but we need pace. It, mm-hmm. We clearly we we need some speed. I want to see Evans in there. I think Caulfield deserves to be back as well, so that'll be. You know, I've actually thought Army has played well. Um, it's between Army and Lekinen for me. I think you gotta keep Perry in there. I really do. But if you wanna take Perry out, I'm okay with that. Just get some speed in there. Caulfield, I think, deserves a chance to play. This team has not we've only scored three goals in two games so far. Let's get a goal scorer in there.
1: It's it's tough. It's tough in that game. Um for them to keep panning up and him just you know just Yeah. Taking it in, but that that's tough. You know, it's for a hot minute. It was, you know, we were only down, we were down two goals. Right. And it's tough to keep having the fucking camera pan back up at Cole Caulfield, Who's just sitting back who could have easily, you know, if not put the game right in the right direction, at least had it, you know, back to a one goal difference.
0: I didn't even have to suffer through that because I got home a little late last night and my father, God bless him. I just assumed he had it on the right feed. So with like five minutes left in the third, I realized I was like, man, like why? I didn't know. I was like, why is Chris Cuthbert doing like the the national broadcast and oh my God, he had it on the fucking Leafs feed. Right. I was wondering, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like I didn't see any Habs related stuff. I was, I was so confused. And then I five minutes. Oh, I was, it was, it was a tough, Tough last period for me, so I didn't have to see Caulfield too much. But, yeah, I agree. Like you said, and bringing it back to him being in the stands, absolutely love K.K. Selly. If you guys didn't see it or don't know what it meant, he raised up four fingers after he scored, and it was in reference to – like I think I mentioned
1: earlier. You did. So I'm kind of rambling. Yeah, the guys in the stands. But, I mean, um, it's, worth, I think, it's worth mentioning, you know. So, like, yeah. even if it had to be, like, said again, if someone didn't catch that, that was very special because, you know – I can't say for all of them, but there's three guys that, you know, that were included in that, including him, you know, in the first game that really deserve to fucking be out there. And I think the other two need to play next game. I think Romanov needs
0: to come in for Merrill. I thought Merrill actually played a decent game Mm -hmm. uh, last night or Sherrod. I think Sherrod's hurt, but one of those two needs to come out because we need some speed. Edmondson's played well. I don't think he's the odd man out anymore between those three. No, I
1: think, dude, that line. I mean that that pairing is just locked. Like, don't touch them. To yeah, they're good. Don't yeah, touch don't him. touch them. <laughs>
0: don't touch Kulak either. <laughs> no, Kulak's I like great. I like
1: Kulak.
0: Um, um Weber's what? in a low capa- low minute role, like a
1: second pairing capacity. I thought has played well this series too. I will say. Good. Um, uh, I mean, I guess the last real dig. Um, I know you you said you only got to really watch the that last period, but we can't. No, I we, watched the whole game. Oh, okay. Well, we can't fucking – we can't send a tape-to-tape tape pass to save our lives in that game. It was it was kind of in the first game a bit, but the second game was like, fuck, dude, like you can just tell everyone's gassed. They're, they've been overplayed due to, you know, the, the, the penalty kills. But, fuck, man, there was just so many passes that would just – On the breakout, you uh, mean? Yeah, on the yeah. breakout. I mean, dude, dude just kind of everywhere, like – if we were just trying to move the puck, it just, it, it was just, it was just bad. We really did not have a good control over just, you know, I guess puck movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, you know, Kotkiniemi, obviously, he was, a, he was our lone, he was our lone goal. Uh, he played, you know, what I believe to be a pretty good game for, you know, a game to come out and kind of prove yourself. He was the only, uh, I believe, Uh, I believe he was the only person, uh, only center to actually have like a a positive face off. I think he went six for five. He was the only one who was even close to 50 percent in a game that we were 34 to 66 to the Maple Leafs, which is, I mean, the last time we saw that, that's when they score goals off the fucking off the off the dot. You know, so I just think that, you know, for what was going on, KK kind of held his composure, you know, started the game off right and just did his best you know, throughout it. No, I totally agree. I
0: think KK came out with something to prove. That first shift was incredible. He came out, fucking bullied the Leafs defense in the (laughs) corner, pushed them off the puck. He created that. Armia had a great little, like, he received the pass right in the slot. And I don't know who was on him, but totally out-muscled and sent it to the point. That's why I kind of mentioned Perry in terms of who, who we should scratch for Caulfield. No, I think Perry's played decently. He hasn't really provided much so far. And I'm not saying that's a permanent scratch. I just, you know, you got to make some moves, right? I think Caulfield has to be in there. And I, I think you would agree
1: with this. I think it's time for Romanoff, too, right? Yeah, why not? Um, I mean... At I mean, this point, dude, if we get if we get skull dragged again, like, why are you, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Why, why are you not giving them the experience that you say they lack? Like, it just, exactly. it just makes no fucking sense. But uh, back on Corey Perry for a second. He was the only Montreal Canadian to not score a hit last night. Um, you know, despite all the problems in this game, this team didn't give up uh, like grit wise, like they knew this game was kind of out of their control but continued to play hard. And you know what, these hits going to add up, you know, guys on, on Toronto are going to be maybe just a little bit more banged up, even 10% more banged up for this Monday game. And um, you know, that's important. You get your ass beat, but you make sure you fucking give it back to them in some, some type of way. KK had two, Brendan Gallagher with four, you know, like I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about that. Uh, Paul Byron after an amazing goal uh, the previous game, I think he was, yeah, he was our top hitter with five hits that night. So I mean, good good for the Canadians to keep that edge because I think, truthfully, if we want to stay in this game, if the game's not going our way, we got to bring our our grit back up. You know, we gotta we gotta play a harder game, and that's maybe how we find a way through them. You know, maybe in the long run.
0: Yeah, so I do think that Corey Perry not registering a hit it has something to do with John Tavares, and simply because the game was Thursday, we record on the Sunday, we've kind of forgot to mention. And we were about to. We were coming back to it. That's why I was like,
1: maybe we should do it in the beginning. But you know what? This is this is nothing wrong with the way we did it. I'm Mm -hmm. actually happy to get kind of this frustration out now. So the last bit of frustration could be like the Corey Perry incident, and we just talk about how good we played Game One. (laughs) Yeah, no,
0: and we are moving moving on to Game One because I want to talk about all the positives moving into Game Three. Let's put Game Two in the past and we'll move on. But we'll start by saying. Um, You know, obviously, our condolences and best wishes go out to John Tavares. That... That was tough. That was, like, absolutely. sickening.
1: Like, very...
0: Oh, I... When he stood up and then collapsed backwards, I almost threw up it was
1: i uh i i kind of like kind yeah like i kind of panicked for a second because like my whole thing i'm like why the fuck are y'all trying to get him on his knees he could have like something wrong with his neck like his neck could be fucking destroyed mm-hmm. and you're putting him on his knees and he, he he i was like no what the fuck are y'all doing like yeah you trained y'all <laughs> as someone who has suffered
0: from i don't think that bad but i've been knocked out before on a soccer pitch Mm -hmm. with an elbow under the jaw kind of similar to the knee right and when you're you wake up and you're maybe not even wake up but you're just kind of blank for a moment right and you're seeing stars and like you're not you're just confused it's a scary feeling and you could tell Tavera's I I don't think he realized how hard he got hit. He was trying to get up, and the Leafs players were trying to calm him down. Um, It was a really scary moment. Uh, Corey Perry was all class about it. You know, that was – for anyone who legitimately believes that that was intentional, grow up, okay? (laughs) Like, you need to strap on a pair of skates. You need to play a sport – any sport but especially hockey that's high speed you need to realize that there is no human in this entire planet with the capacity to make that decision in that little amount of time and try and injure someone it's just not possible and he clearly tried to avoid it and secondly to the people who are trying to say that it was intentional for a fucking headliner narrative you are even worse and I hope you rot in hell because fuck you. All those press like headlines, I'm sure I don't know if you saw them. Corey. I did. I did. I those was, were disgusting. And the was it the Toronto Sun released that headline with John Tavares right after his injury and in big bold letters, Captain Crunched. You are the biggest example of a human parasite. And I don't know how someone has that little compassion. I
1: really don't. Yeah, it's um it's like uh <laughs> it's like they had uh what's what's that 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 really bad uh Bruins um commentator that's just so Jack was, Edwards. Oh my god, it was like Jack Edwards was <laughs> just like in creative control of all the headlines and stuff. It was it was disgusting. That it that is one of the most disgusting things
0: I've ever seen by any media outlet and I will say Le Journal Montreal uh, did a a a header too. It didn't have the captain crunch thing, but it was of Corey Perry kneeing Tavares. I thought that was that was going too far. Let alone the the captain crunch comment really fucking pissed me off and you've got it like that guy has family. They had to watch that. And for the Toronto son to have that little compassion, that little humanity, I guess it shouldn't surprise me, but it it still disgusts me.
1: Yeah. So I guess what I just want to say that I'm wishing John Tavares the best. I think um, we, I, you know, I, I think we all are. I don't think there's either side, you know, obviously the Maple Leafs want him to get better, but I think as you know, all Habs fans for the most part, you know, you want to win the right way. And that was not uh intentional. I want to beat you know, I want to beat the least yeah, with John. Yeah, at their best. I want this game to be, you know, as good as it can be. And for that to happen, it's it's a travesty, but like by no means was it intentional. And I don't think there's many people out there that are super excited to have that guy out, out the game for that reason. And if y'all like <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't want nothing to do with you. fucking, it's just, it's just disgusting, dude. Like I didn't even want to get on Twitter. I didn't want to get on Twitter because there were so many people trying to pull up like Corey Perry's past. Yeah. Like you could pull up Corey Perry versus Ryan, you know, Ryan Ellis in the fucking uh, the outdoor game, you know, the, the classic. Yeah. You could see the intent. This was like this dude, was just coming up ice, and then at and the same friends. time, friends, they're for, friends off yeah. the ice. and then for some, cause what they they played in, um, they played on the Olympics. Yeah, team, the Olympics the
0: championships. Um, like, these guys have competed together. For but then, a very long but
1: then time. there was then there was like the rabbit hole of of how people saying Ben Sharat had set that up. New and Perry was behind him to take it in, oh, like, and that they were gonna they were gonna go into game two headhunting Ben Sharat. It's so stupid, like. I get it. You're, you're upset. You want to believe that, you know, you want to have that drive going into this, but just kind of take your fucking ego out of it for a second and realize, you know, this teammate is down. Uh, He's a teammate of the NHL at this point. You don't want to see that happen. Um, Whether you like it or not, Corey Perry had to answer the bell. I don't think it was really called for, but I get it. You know, you want to stand up for your teammate it's not really in my ring. I think if it was, if, if it was a, you know, it was a smaller hit, it didn't fucking, you know, ruin this guy's rest of his season. But that hit, th- the backlash, the backlash on Twitter was just retarded. Uh, I don't like saying that, but like all you young kids out there that was tweeting this shit, and all you older people that should be more mature than to believe this narrative is just fucking stupid. And what I'll
0: say to the fight is. I didn't agree with the fight. I didn't think it was called for. Eric Stahl, a former captain himself, said if he was in that situation, he wouldn't expect his teammates to fight for him. Um, you know, I, if it was a shorter fight, if it was a little wrestling match, whatever, you've stuck up for him. My problem was you got Nick Felino throwing bombs at 36-year-old Corey Perry, who did nothing wrong. And who's barely fighting back, Perry? He didn't even do anything. He
1: just fucking took it because he's he knew, he knew he knows the deal. He he's done this his entire career. He's fucking destroyed people's seasons. He knows that he's got to take the hit. But I mean, in this one, are you are you fucking serious? I just thought this was was not a Corey Perry fucking you know like destroyer moment. No, I just thought it was stupid. Like Perry had him by the back of his shirt collar and didn't
0: throw. At that point, Felino, you gotta know like. Throw, throw your couple hits and, and go fucking take a seat. Throw a few, you're done, you stuck up for them, whatever. That was my only problem with it. And I just want to take, before we move on, so that's, we've got all that out <laughs> of the way. So just going back to game two for a little second, um, I just, because I forgot to mention it, uh, Ysperi uh, when when we're talking about the refs, Uh, was interviewed and they asked about him and he actually spoke out and said well actually i have a lot of thoughts about that stuff but i'm not allowed to talk about it so uh, basically kind of just like yeah that was pretty shit but i'm not allowed to talk about it because i'll get in trouble Mm -hmm. but you guys can understand exactly how i feel and that's not going to earn him love by the refs, but I think as someone who's already hated by them, it seems, I don't think he cares. And I just think it speaks a lot. When a young guy like that's willing to speak out about the refs and the playoffs, it, it's pretty blatant. And, and the direct quote was, I'd like to say a lot of things, but you guys know I can't. So A young vet already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting quote by KK. But moving into game one, which was fucking amazing. Playoff price returned. Oh, my God. For his, by the way, interesting fact, 31st playoff game. Uh, Playoff game win was against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I thought that was pretty fitting. Uh, You know, price wearing. Yeah, with his number. Yeah. Uh Josh Anderson was an absolute beast as we referenced that rush goal was just vintage yeah. power horse. He hit 41 kilometers an hour. That's ridiculous. That's fast. And then a similar kind of just speed burns, which is why I want to bring in the youth because you know we win. this team wins when we're skating. 32-year-old Paul Byron. You know, I don't know if Sandine got the message, but that guy can fucking skate. He made up like I'm. What do you want to say, Corey? Like eight feet, six, eight feet. Yeah. On Sandine, and then passed him. I actually think Sandine made the right play. I think taking Paul Byron down there is the best move he could make. He hadn't fully passed him, so I don't. It was just going to be a penalty, not a penalty shot. Habs power play was sucking. You kill it. You move on. It's a tie game. You go to overtime. I thought. Sandine played it as best he could in
1: that situation. Byron just, wow, what a goal! Byron Byron came with so much intensity that I don't think he was looking like it looked like he was gonna crash into the net and score or die. You know, like what he turned the burners on and he didn't give a fuck about the outcome. It was just you know, just he was just thinking about that moment.
0: Yeah. And I unfortunately don't know the photographer's name that took this photo that's circulating. There's a photo, not like a still video, like a a genuine uh, photo. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's going on my wall. I already told, like I've saved (laughs) it. I'm I'm putting that on my wall. I don't care what happens in this series. That was one of the greatest goals I think I've ever witnessed as a Habs fan. It might not be the biggest, but like just in terms of what, what it meant like that would that marked the return of Habs versus Leafs hockey for the first time in 42 years I thought it was just such a great like it's like a story almost well, I What, what? Well, yeah yeah
1: no 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 you're 100% right because like that is like almost the epitome of what you know like our elders tell us about like Canadians I versus remember Leafs goal. And I'm going to tell my kids about that goal. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, exactly. That was a great. Exactly. Goal. I mean, dude, like there's a couple of clips of it, but like every one of them looks like, like you could almost put it in like black and white and you would be like, wow, this is like an, an old time game, you know, like, cause it hasn't been seen in forever. Oh, it know? was just, um, it was brilliant. And his kid's reaction to it
0: was the most precious thing I think I've ever seen. I don't know if you saw it, Corey. No, I did not. Oh, they showed his kids reacting to it, and he's like, "Wow, what a goal on his! <laughs> knee. Like, oh, it was just, it I was so it. cute. Um, yeah, I th- what a—that's probably the biggest goal Byron's ever scored in the NHL. If you really think, like, that's crazy. No, no, no,
1: hundred percent. And and what a what a year to to do that, you know, like. Uh, with all this talk of, of, you know, possible movement is a time being to move put on, on the wiring, waiver wire wavered fucking, you know, just the inconsistency of the year COVID at that uh, to have like, like, this is like, for him, you know, greatest. this is something that's on his wall, you know, like, if, oh, if sure. you could, Paul, Bryan, if you could, you know, one memory, you know, a one captured moment that describes your time in the NHL. It's this moment right here.
0: and It's it's like... how he scored all his goals, too, with the speed, right? Mm-hmm. And by God, is he the best waiver pickup ever?
1: <laughs> Dude, I saw that. You he already was. Like, he <laughs> is the
0: greatest waiver pickup ever. And I understand we put him on waivers. That was for cap. That wasn't because of his play. Ducharme even said mm-hmm. that. Byron makes a nice chunk of change, $3.2 million. Oh, my God, is he he's just so freaking consistent and what he is like, when you think Montreal got him for nothing and what he's provided is 20 multiple 20 goal seasons, just consistent play, penalty killing ability, shorthanded goals. And now one of the most memorable halves goals of my entire life. Like I don't care. I don't care. What anyone's, he's the greatest waiver pickup ever. And I think if we can take that sort of speed and intensity that him and Anderson showed in game one, the whole team did. Um, Sorry, take it into game three. I think we have a great chance of winning. But in at risk of sounding a little negative, I think it's something we have to highlight. Montreal will not win this series if Nick Suzuki, Tyler Toffoli, and Brenda Gallagher don't wake up. Yeah. Toffoli less than the, than the other two. Suzuki especially, I... He needs to wake up. Gallagher will give a little bit of a pass, too. He hasn't well, played was, a lot uh, lately. Really,
1: yeah, but. that's true. But there was a moment in uh, and, and Saturday's game when, oh, my God, like my heart skipped a beat. You know, um, he was uh, on the right, you know, his, his little spot, oh, when he, right he, of the he, dot. He, and they he, were like, he's oh, he's normally spot. just a bit, you know, a little bit more upward. And he would have had so much, you know, a better angle. But, man, fuck you, when you see him – get the puck in that low you know that low slot right at you know right around the dot it's just like you know it's coming you know like you know this is his bread and butter yep. you know this is his office and like i was like this is it you know this is the momentum changer yeah and it, <laughs> i was like god damn it fucking campbell jesus <laughs> campbell played well too i want to highlight that he's been playing and it- great and that's that's what makes it tough too you know like
0: yeah, and I actually I, – I mistakenly – I thought you were talking about when Suzuki had that one play on the uh, on Campbell's right side, so on the far side of the, like, TV, like mm-hmm. when you're watching on TV, and kind of, like, deked in and like, trying to wrap it around Campbell. And just no, moves. no, no, not that one. But like, I, I know exactly what you're talking about yeah. now on the power play mm-hmm. from that little face-off dot area. Yeah, that, yeah. that seems to be – I had the exact same feeling. Um, I just think that we need playoff Suzuki
1: from last year. 100%. And I mean, look, but we got, you know, like we, we just got to take the good with the bad because like we definitely like what we expected from KK, you know, what I guess people wanted from him this season as far as like that dirty in the front catching them rebounds. We got it instantly by know, the his way first game, and that's what we expect from him. You know, that is I his don't, playoff his playoff play.
0: I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast. So it might sound like the biggest amount of cap. like ever but i know i was talking about this with my dad saying kk needs to shorten his stick i don't think i mentioned it on the podcast because Mm -mm. all season he's used a very long stick and he's got a cannon it helps with that right like he's just got an absolute they talk about his wrist shot is just a laser beam right but when he gets in tight it's hard to stick handle it's hard to get that shot away. I, I can't. I'm not like one million percent sure that he was using a shorter stick last night. It looked shorter, <laughs> and he finished that goal in tight. And I feel like the biggest fucking hockey genius on the planet. Like, you like
1: game. uh, you like fucking uh, DiCaprio on uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when he sees himself. You know that <laughs> meme is he's pointing at the at the screen. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> No, but I, I know I'm not the only person to have said this, too. I think I've seen a few other people on Twitter mentioning it. Um, his stick did look shorter, and it immediately paid off. So that I think that's something we're going to see more from him is those in-tight goals because he's able to get the shot away, right? Yeah. Um, but we'll, yeah. we'll try to get it trending. <laughs> I, I should have mentioned it on the pod. God damn it. But yeah, I don't I don't need credit. I just thought it was an interesting observation. Um and I I want to look out for it on a uh, game three just to see if I was correct because I kind of got lost in the game. But it was just something I noticed, thought it was interesting. Uh, and I guess the only other player Suzuki aside, um, I think he'll pick up his game especially if Caulfield is inserted into a lineup with him and Tafoli. I thought they played well together. Mm-hmm. Um I think all Suzuki Suzuki's one of those guys where if he just gives a nice pass to Caulfield and Caulfield shelves it, that'll get him going, right? Or if right. it's to Foley, whatever. Um, game three, look for Brendan Gallagher. I think Bell Center, playoffs, Leafs, I think we're going to – That's he's Brendan Gallagher's
1: bread and butter. Like, oh, yeah. 100%, dude. You give him a chance to compete like, I don't know. We've seen it in the past. Brendan Gallagher at home – It's the first game, whether it's the first game of the season, the first game of the playoffs at home, Brendan Gallagher is going to bring something magical. And you know what? I'm looking at the stats from the first game. Paul Byron, seven hits that night. So, Paul Byron has just been playing, like, phenomenal, like, just in-your-face hockey against this team that we, you know, we fucking hate for the most part.
0: Yeah. um...
1: You've been lost for words, my friend.
0: Lost for words, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> I I do think Gallagher's been pretty quiet. We haven't mentioned his name a lot. Yeah. And I guess, oh, I remember what I was going to say now. Sorry. Um. I guess taking away from this episode, if I really wanted to do a big takeaway, it would just be, we were right about the youth because KK, last game. Uh, Suzuki not playing well, we're not doing well. We well, were last game, sorry. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Needing the youth. I think it was Evans losing Evans too. We forget about that. We lost Evans last game. And it clearly showed <laughs> yeah. very clearly. He's a rookie. People forget that. Um, yeah. We need the youth in this organization to go far. And we are also, by the way, because I do think it's a, it's kind of a big deal. We kind of forget. We're going into game three tied one-to-one after two away games in Toronto without Jonathan Druin, our second highest paid forward. Like, you know what? We should be pretty damn proud of where the Habs are right now. So yes, there's been a lot of negative this episode, but I think a lot of it's just been constructive criticism, like things we've noticed that, you know, I got to say, I'm a lot more positive and optimistic now that I've seen the Habs play Mm -hmm. than I was before. And Sheldon Keefe even highlighted, uh, saying that this is not the same team Montreal the last four games that they played Toronto he was basically saying that trying to tell his guys that this is a much better hockey club than we were playing as because of the condensed schedule and I think he's right um, hopefully Drouin can return at some point it's not looking likely but you know this team can get it done and I'm I'm still not gonna bet my house on us winning this series but I'm a lot more optimistic going into game three than I was going into game one
1: Right. No, I think you're right. Uh, I, I, we definitely got to see both sides of the spectrum. You know, uh, a great a great game, and then a game that was just kind of truthfully got out of our control. And uh, if we can just kind of recover a little bit early in the game before we let it get out of control, you know, maybe find a little bit more momentum. Um, I still think we don't we don't have as good of a shot as we did against against Pittsburgh. But uh, uh, if Toronto thought they were leaving quietly, you know, that's clearly mistaken. So
0: I I think I think you're right. I think this team's going to go out with a bang. If not, we're going to make it even if we some if we do end up losing in 5, they're going to lose believe battered and bruised mm-hmm. going into that Yeah, there's series. no way
1: they go into the next series if they, you know, there's a big chance they're moving on, but there's no way they're going on to this next series like, you know, close Coasting to 100%. Feeling. Close to 90%. Yeah, they're going to be
0: bruised. I think there's There's a very good possibility they're coming out bruised, and those Winnipeg Jets are going to feast on that. And, yes, I'm fucking calling it now. Winnipeg's going to win that fucking series.
1: They might, uh, but right now at this very moment, uh, they're up. uh, The oil is up 3-1, I believe. Zach Cassian just scored. What period? Uh, That's a great fucking question right now. Uh, It's the first, right? End end of the second. End of the second. 3-1. Yeah. I I don't know, man. So, double dry sidle and a Zach Cassian Seems like they they woke up today. But, you know, also said the same thing about the Hurricanes. You know, now that series is fucking tied. But playoff hockey, anything's possible.
0: Winnipeg, if any team can score five goals <laughs> in the third period, it's fucking Winnipeg. Nicola yeah. Ehlers is back. He has a goal in that game. Yes, um, he does. Yeah, I'll I call mean that don't ever
1: call out Connor Hellbuck, man. Like
0: I'm yeah, I'm not counting out dry and and McDavid. I I don't want to usually, but oh my god, Hellbuck looks like he's on. Uh that team's good. I think Edmonton's done. I think if they don't
1: <laughs> you're I right, you're punished. right. You're right. Especially if they because like the first two games kind of felt like, you know, Montreal playing them very quiet, very, you know, <laughs> just kind of took them out of their element, which is uh which is Kudos to the Jets who have been kind of cooled off, and to take an Oilers team who has been pretty pretty lights out to go straight into the playoffs and just oh, and take I would two say, from them.
0: yeah. And here's the thing: this is the most do or die game of the Oilers season right now. 100%. So I'm not I'm not surprised you say they're winning, right? With yeah. Dry with two goals, McDavid three assists like that. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. You might want to show up to the game that decides <laughs> if you're two-one down or 3 0 nothing down, but I—I yeah. I just think that, oh my God, that I said it all year. That Winnipeg Jets top six is phenomenal. Connor Hellbuck is the best goalie on the planet right now. They—they they look good, actually. You know what? I'm second best. Flurry is a god. I don't know what's going on. on over there in the desert, but he yeah, just—he
1: just wants that tilt, man. He will play phenomenal until someone finally fights him.
0: Oh fucking! Well, too bad that Madman Bennington got swept.
1: Jesus, (laughs) trying to fight
0: Grubauer at the end of
1: game two was it? Oh man, you know Jordan Bennington kind of reminds me of Razor a little bit. You know, just like not you know not overly, just like his uh, his willingness to just drop and just go out after anything. I just don't. If you're Vegas or Minnesota,
0: you got to hope that series ends soon because I've internally kind of, and you know, I'm not on this podcast, but I've said for a while that that game, that series was going to seven Mm -hmm. because that's a tough, I think we talked about it on our last episode with we, the North, that's a tough draw for, for Vegas. You finished second in the NHL. And you got to play fucking Minnesota the first round. That's tough. But imagine you're you you you're Minnesota or Vegas. I think it's still going to be Vegas. And you crawl out of a series, a seven-game series. You're, you've hard battle. You're bruised. And you got to fucking face
1: Colorado who just swept St. Louis. Like, oh. Dude, dirtily, too, because that was not, like, a clean game. Like, there was – I mean – Gabriel Lannis game, game one. Like there was no game in that series where there was not intensity and, and just, just straight up skull dragon, not even on the <laughs> score sheet. There was a lot of fucking missed calls. There was a lot of fucking hits just dirty after the whistle. Like you're going up against a team that that's fucking sweeping people, putting up five goals, you know, and can play it whatever way you want. Vegas, <laughs> good luck to you you know and you talk about a tough draw to St. Louis is a – they won the
0: cup very recently they've got they've got a good squad um yeah that's my yeah like I said like jesus i got Colorado Colorado, going, Colorado so. scary they're scary oh, i don't I'll think i don't think there's a team in the east other than Oh, I don't know. I don't know if there's a team in the east that can beat them.
1: I got the, really that was the most that was the easiest. The um when I was doing my bracket, I didn't have to worry about shit on the west side because I was like, it's it's just the avalanche. The avalanche is just sweeping through everything.
0: I think Vegas can beat them. I think that'll be a good series if they do get there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um playoff McKinnon's a different fucking animal. He's got like 68 points in 43 playoff games or something. He's like fifth all-time playoff Mm -hmm. points per game. He's a different beast. Grubauer looks good. Kale McCarr. Talk about. Throw the needle. (laughs) Talk about like being, you know, they say, oh, is he the best defenseman in the NHL? Don't throw that discussion out the window. Is he a top 10 player in the NHL? Because I might put him there. He's that good. He's that that team's scary but that, that's looking I think that's kind of forward thinking imagining having well, I, mean, I don't think beyond, we're going to have to play them but
1: <laughs> <laughs> beyond his his offensive ability his his ability to move his skating just is weave is just call him the seamstress like he's not as fast in a straight
0: line as Connor McDavid and I'll I I don't care I'll get ripped to shreds for this I think he's a better technical skater than Connor mcdavid in terms of his edge work okay walking that guy can move laterally better than anyone like Uh, he can he can move in a straight straight line laterally and just make guys fall it's absolutely ridiculous what that guy can do with his feet but we're kind of moving off topic
1: so i don't know if you want to close it here yeah, we we can close, we can close it because we'll just fucking keep going on about the goddamn like the entirety of the playoffs. So uh, save me, save me some extra minutes, everything. Let's just close it out. But uh, folks, we want to thank y'all so much for joining us. This has been Habs Nightly. Please give us a follow at Habs Nightly on Twitter and Bayou Benders. We also want to uh, shout out and give thanks to We the North. First, I forgot to mention it. Sick name, but uh, really appreciated them coming on. And the second part of that conversation will be out soon. We can't wait to talk to you guys again Wednesday. And hopefully we have a little, a little more pep in our step coming into that. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you guys soon.
0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: Hello, hello, hockey fans. My name is Nick Berlansky, host of the Tip of the Iceberg
0: podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My co-host Nick Horwat and
1: I talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins, from top news to game analysis and other unconventional hockey talk. We've got you covered. New episodes every Monday. Tune in at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. And let's go, Pens!